Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 26 of Big League Flicks, a sports movie podcast. I'm Jamie McKinnon, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Christian Webster and Jordan Reed. What's going on, boys? Hey, boys, what's going on? Good to be back for another week. Big time movie this evening, uh, and I'm sure we're going to have some uh, deliciously uh, interesting hot takes, that's for sure. Hey, everybody. Great to be back. Great movie. Uh, awesome to be doing this again. Cold night here where we are, so it's uh, let's get after it. Heat things up. Yeah, so uh, since since last week, we had a big Super Bowl win for Tom Brady. And uh, how about some of the footage of those guys uh, and their boat party or whatever it was? <laughs> that one that came out today is brilliant. About the, that one could have really destroyed your face. He looks like he is in one. Oh, did, you see, yeah. did you see him when he was chucking the Lombardi trophy from boat to boat? <laughs> they had the one where it was on his boat, and his kids were like, no, daddy, no. <laughs> Unbelievable. Here's my favorite thing about Tom Brady, where it showed New England Tom Brady, a couple things, where he's like all dressed in black and all serious, and then Florida Tom Brady's in an orange shirt, backwards hat, middle of the day. When they got off the boats, and he was like buckled, and like Bronx would pull them up. I was like, oh, this is this is amazing. <laughs> or the one other thing I love too, where Tom Brady and he Florida Tom Brady was, he even had the old man knee sleeve on his left knee. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is awesome. With he's his ready. shoes. Oh yeah, he's ready for Evor. <laughs> he's got some Sperry topsiders on ready to roll. <laughs> I love it. And that's my quarterback right there. I love it. Right there, what a beauty. So well, funny enough. Hey, funny enough, before we move on, I was watching PTI last night, and they were giving their uh, happies at the end, and it was it was Tardif's birthday yesterday. Oh, was it? Yeah, and so they were. It, it was funny, Jr. You would have appreciated. It. They went on. Uh, they were talking about like how the Chiefs missed them in the Super Bowl, and Will Bond went on this huge rant about people, Chiefs fans in particular, should shut up about how somebody's doing out there trying to save the world. And so what if they couldn't protect Mahomes for a play? Like, give me a break. And it was like a epic, grumpy Wilbon rant. I loved every <laughs> I second. Love you would have been nice. loving it as a Raiders guy. Absolutely. As a Raiders fan, guys, I enjoyed watching Kansas City get war. I'm not going to lie. Classic. Oh, yeah. All right. So this week, as you guys kind of tipped off, we're uh... – and if you knew from our intro song, it's not really a big secret. We're doing a classic, iconic movie for um, Academy Award winning movie from the 70s. Um, without further ado, let's get into Rocky. His name is Sylvester Stallone. He's the star of a new film called Rocky. He's been described as tough, handsome, talented, sexy, sensitive, dynamic, brilliant. He's been compared to Nicholson, De Niro, and Brando, but he is Rocky. He's the man who could be loved by only one woman because somehow she gets beneath the pain. He's every nobody who ever needed somebody. Rocky, you believe that America is the land of opportunity? He's every man who ever settled for something less. What about my pride, Nick? At least you have pride. I ain't had no pride. I ain't had nothing. How many get that? How many get that? Terrific. I mean, you could be a heartbreak. 
He'll walk down the street breaking hearts the way you look. Very sharp. He's the man who never had a chance until now. Rocky. His whole life was a million to one shot. His name is Sylvester Stallone, but you will always remember him as Rocky. Well, you know the deal. Before we dive into this movie, we're going to crack into a nice cold beer. We're going to take a little tour over to Italy. So without further ado, let's get into our brew review. What are we drinking tonight, Webb? Well, boys, inspired by the Italian stallion himself, this week we head back to Italia to enjoy a delicious pint of Peroni Nastro Azzurro, the symbol of true Italian style and quality since 1963. Excuse me. This Italian-style lager is brewed in Rome and only uses the finest strains of Italian maize and hints of apple and citrus flavors to deliver a light, crisp, refreshing beer that will satisfy your palate and make you feel like you were transported to a bistro overlooking the Pantheon or a Trevi Fountain. For more information on their brewing process or any of their other fine products and services, be sure to check them out at PeroniItaly.com or give them a follow on all their social media sites by uh, following at Peroni. And here in Canada, give them a follow at, at Peroni underscore CA. As always, Big League Flicks reminds you to please enjoy responsibly and always ensure you've got a safe ride home. Salute, boys. Salute, boys. I'm going glass tonight. Won't you kick us off, Jer? Ah, Peroni. Uh, First of all, great company to work with. Um, They're fantastic to talk to this week. Thanks for all their help. Uh, Thanks for getting back to us, helping us out, setting up this peer review. So, yeah, shout out to them, of course. Uh, Good people. Um, this is just a nice beer when you're out on uh, a nice date night. Talked a little bit about this before. Uh, nice, easy drinking lager. I find it mixes really well with food. I'm not the connoisseur and who knows what everything pairs with, but I find Peroni works really well with food. It's just a very good lager. And I know we're going to break away from the uh, scores for a couple weeks, boys, in a little time. So I just want to talk about how this is a great lager, easy to drink, and really enjoy it. It's good when you get in one of those like skinny f- flute glasses too, right? You know, oh and you go to the restaurant. <laughs> those highfalutin glasses. <laughs> <laughs> those glasses are weak sauce. They don't have a proper <laughs> handle on them. You need a proper contour to fit your hand if you're going to drink a glass beer. Not only that, but when you're like reaching around the table, like those are those tall flute glasses are pretty easy to knock over. You, you, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have more spillage with a glass like that. Mm-hmm. I like him out of the bottle too. You guys got you guys got him out of the can. We got so cans I, this week. I went classic here. I got them out of the bottle, and uh, I love drinking these out of the bottle. Like we we've talked about it before. There's some beers you like better out of the bottle. This is what this is one of those beers for me. Uh, that's a for the for the uh, audio listeners at home. That's a green <laughs> bottle, and again, I stick to my theory that if it's out of a green bottle, it's better typically out of the bottle, but. Uh, this is one of those beers for me that I, you guys actually kind of turned me on to this one. I don't think I've ever had it before, like hanging out with you boys and having these ones. Yep. I don't ever remember ordering it. I've never would buy it at the house. It's really enjoyable. I, I could see JR your, to your point, how it would be good with just about anything. It's pretty light flavored for like light, 
uh, feeling for a logger. Like I feel like yeah. I could have quite a few of these and, and uh, have a good time. I mean, it's alcohol content wise, it's like 5%. So it's a strong enough beer, but yeah. you know, when you think in Italy, you <laughs> typically think you're red wines, you don't think beer, but this is a, this is a nice one. I like this one a lot. This reminds me of when I lived in Europe and you'd go to a nice restaurant, have a nice, nice dinner or something. And usually you'd have a drink after dinner and, uh, and and this was like the type of drinks I would have, like two Borg or or something like that in one of these bottles. So it reminds me a lot of that. So as we mentioned this week, we're uh, we're doing classic. We're doing Rocky. So this was uh, directed by John G. Alvidson, and we actually had him on uh, as a director before. I think he did Karate Kid. Uh, it was written by Sylvester Stallone, and we're going to get into it more in like little known facts. But I think a lot of people know a lot of this story. But so we'll be recapping that then. Distributed in 1976 by United Artists, got an 8.1 rating on Internet Movie Database and a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, had a budget of only 960,000, uh, but grossed 225 million at the box office. So wow. an incredible haul. Music by Bill Conti, starring Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burgess Meredith, Carl Weathers, and Burt Young. This film was nominated for 10 Academy Awards in 1976, won three Oscars for Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Film Editing. Stallone was nominated for Best Actor, Best Original Screenplay, while Burgess Meredith was uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and Talia Shire was nominated for Best Actress. So a quick movie synopsis. Rocky Balboa is a struggling boxer trying to make the big time, working as a debt collector for a pittance. When heavyweight champion Apollo Creed visits Philadelphia, his managers want to set up an exhibition match between Creed and a struggling boxer, touting the fight as a chance for a nobody to become a somebody. The match is supposed to be easily won by Creed, but someone forgot to tell Rocky, who sees this as his only shot at the big time. Let's jump into our character review and let's start out with Rocky Balboa, played by Sylvester Stallone. Let's go with you, JR. What do you got? Oh, boy. Wow, guys. Um... Normally in characters, you're like, okay, you can start off, you can start by saying things, but this is a character that, this is maybe one of the most iconic characters we've ever discussed. And I was thinking about it today, I'm like, when, you know, when Jamer says, what do you think of Rocky? And I'm like, well, how do we approach this? <clears throat> this is one of those characters, guys, that kind of like set a trend for our childhood growing up. Um, he teaches it's one of those guys like the ultimate underdog of course um teaches you some lessons in his weird own way he's a guy you root for he's just a person of that the roller coaster that he feels you want to you root for him you do well for him and you rally behind him and he has his own weird way of doing things and accomplishing things but at the same time there's also times when you shake your head and roll your eyes at rocky um that idea of debt collecting. You feel like maybe he's a little bit of a waste of talent at this point. But then he's the ultimate, he fills, just fills the role of the ultimate underdog that he it turns out being the man of the people. And that idea of Rocky and the man of the people and the whole shtick and the fighting Philadelphia town, the brotherly love town, all those things he puts together. And the stairs, you know, who, who else runs the stairs? We all, I've never ran the stairs, but we've known people who have run the stairs. <laughs> that's <laughs> trends and does things that we all wanted to be and you talk to people who are from philly and they're like rocky you're like rocky is a fic like he's a fictional guy but it's like a real guy in real life to all of us because we're like we believe in rocky whether it's the 
the gray, you know, we talk about getting back to our roots and getting back to work and out the gray, the, the Chuck Taylors, the gray suits, the gray uh, track suits, the master egg cracker with one hand and he's just putting them <laughs> in. We've all chugged raw eggs at some point in our life. Yeah, trying yeah, yeah gross. Yes, so yeah, gross. It is, but we've done things trying to be like Rocky. So, you know, yeah. for us and people older than us and whatever, he's like an iconic character for us that we've all kind of tried to be like. We've hit heavy bags. We've hit speed bags. I've never chased the chicken, but I've done like, I've never hit meat. You never trapped lightning? I've never trapped. But there's things that we do that we're just like, we quote him, we use him. He still holds today, this character. And that's one of the reasons it's gone on so long. So he's just somebody that kind of is ingrained in people our age and older and younger and things like that. But those are all the kind of things I think about with Rocky. He's iconic. You're right, uh, and I'm not going to disagree with you that he's iconic. My here's my hot take. Uh, I feel like Rocky is one of those characters we we learn to love in the later Rocky movies. Um, yeah. I actually think he's a total jackass in this first movie. To be quite honest, the character himself. Uh, number one, his ADHD, the fact that he can't fucking like string together. Pardon my language. Can't string together like. <laughs> A, a string of consciousness very long with a like change in the subject every half second. Uh, it, I found it super annoying going back and watching this. Yeah. Um, the movie itself and, and him in it, like the thing that's great about him is he's, he's supposed to represent the everyday, right? Like the everyday guy that any, on, on any given day, you know, to steal an adage from any given Sunday on any given Sunday, anybody can be a winner, right? Like, that kind of idea, like at any given moment in boxing, anybody can knock somebody, the champion of the world out or hang it. Like, so there's that piece to him, but he's just such a loser in this movie. Like I had words like simpleton. Uh, I had words like he could be a little, uh, what else did I have here? I just had simpleton. He's a creepo. Like his first initial like move on Adrian is like very rapey feeling. Like it's oh. super awkward. Like where he holds the door and he like, yeah, the like there's yeah. some, like there's some like really bizarre behavior coming from this guy. Like you can just tell he's been on his own for far too long. Uh, <laughs> like he, in the, in the quarantine era, he would not do well. Let's put it that way. He's a little out there. Uh, I, and like even Mickey, like just taking his locker away from him because Mickey even knows you're kind of a creepo, dude. Like you're something, there's something a little off with you. I mean, we learn to love Rocky and I agree with you, Jared. Like as the, as the, the franchise moves on, I think he develops and you, you, yes. you feel for him. But like, and when we talk about the realism piece, I'll talk a little bit about some of these things too. But I just found uh, in watching this movie again, He's not an overly lovable protagonist. Like he's not the Rocky I remember from my childhood. Yeah. He's he's a loser to be quite honest. And you just he's the luckiest son of a bitch on the planet. And I'm not saying he doesn't work for it in that fight, no, but no. he's a lucky sob. Yeah. No, you guys nailed it. I think that's a really good way to put it, Jr. When you mentioned like and and Webb as well, uh, how he develops into. Uh, his character really develops over the arc of the Rocky franchise and the story of it. He gets, you know, smarter. He gets more street smart. He gets more business smart, more eloquent. And his character really develops. But, and I, and I do, I really enjoy going back and watching movies from my youth uh, with the lens of today. And like, it's so different, especially (laughs) like, 
you know, you see so much in how we treat different people, but also like, especially women, that's the biggest one. Right. And you mentioned it, Webb, when he's in the, when he's in, it's such a cringe worthy. I know it's for back in the seventies, it was supposed to be so romantic. That was the most cringe worthy <sighs> scene for me watching him basically force himself on Adrian uh, I, I was just like, oh my god, this is. I, you know, when she says, "I'm not, I don't feel comfortable, I don't belong here," I'm like, "Yes, run, get the hell out!" Of <laughs> like, I felt that for her. I'm like, this is so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, this is just, yeah, With for that. But like, no, you guys nailed all the other things. I mean, I, I want to say though, to like, to about Rocky though, would you like rally behind him though if he was like a perfectly Whole sentences coherent, making sense, or do you want somebody who's kind of dumb? He's dumb, you're smart, we make a good like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, you want somebody like that. If it's somebody who's well spoken, you're not gonna believe the character. You need a bumbling idiot who's basically bouncing around no. on a rack ball all day. And we'll yeah. get into it in the we'll get into it in little known facts, but they I, had a lot of the studios had a lot of other guys um lined up for it. Sylvester Stallone was perfect, perfect in my opinion, for this role. The way yeah. it was written. I will say this, JR, to your point. He does have a certain, uh, we talk about this all the time, a certain code, right? Mm-hmm. And, and a, certain, um, a certain sense of what's right and what's wrong in t- to a certain degree, right? Like I think back about the scene where he, he picks up, uh, whatever, what's her name, Mary or whatever, when he, gra- he, he pulls her yeah. off the street corner and is trying to basically like warn her of the perils of her, her particular uh, situation and what she's perceived going to be perceived to be if she yeah. it keeps hanging out on the street corner like that he's so trying to be a leader yeah there's those kind of moments but uh yeah like you i don't know the, the, he does have a bit of a heart of gold like he's trying to do well for people but you sit there and you just think like how he his character evolves in the later movies from what this character is like i just i don't know like i just see and maybe that's the Adrian factor. I don't know, but like you just sit there and you think in this in this one, anyways. Like he's not that great of a human being. No, he's I, not. I think, Sorry, Jim. Go ahead. I was just gonna say quickly. I I really like how and it and I and I did have kind of the lens of some of the other movies as as we it, get into it was series. hard to separate. It was hard to separate it. And then I haven't watched this one in a really long time, so I did like how raw and how vulnerable and not not as well put together he was in this one because he's still trying to figure out who he is he doesn't have confidence right like he's you know when marie like calls him a creepo and he's walking around and he's like talking to himself and he's like yeah you are a creepo kind of you know like he's kind of like he's he's self he's got a lot of self-deprecation and and you know he still hasn't like figured out his niche or how to he's breaking thumbs for gazo but he's not he's not good at that right like i mean I feel I like how unput together his character is in the first one and how it evolves. So I think it's a, yeah. it's nice how that works. My last point, though, I want to say too is I mean I know we're spending a lot of time on this, but this is a big time character. So yeah, um, he's from Philly. You got to remember the city we're in here, folks. Oh yeah, in the times, seventies, Rogers Street Bowl. Like this is a tough, tough town that tough we're talking town. about here. Yeah. And this is Philly. And if you spend any time in Philly or around people from Philly, it's pretty rough. 
Well, everybody yeah. it tells you too. Like everybody was on the everybody was on the take for a couple of bucks in that, especially in like South Philly or wherever it was, like the tough neighborhood. Like the guy at the skating rink, yeah, I'll give you ten bucks for ten minutes, you know. And they're like negotiating over how much money they're gonna because everybody yeah, needs a couple of bucks, right? I'll smooth them over, and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, even the whole like you know, I mean, the late seventies, the whole East Coast of the United States was pretty bad with drugs. So yeah, yeah, hmm. interesting. Let's move on to uh, Adrian Panino, played by Talia Shire. Uh, Adrian, um, probably, I don't think there is a Rocky without an Adrian whatsoever. Um, it's one of those characters where you're like, you need to have Adrian. She's like the, she's almost like the the nucleus of Rocky, so to speak, where it's like, she's, she's there and he needs Adrian and Adrian's almost like the person who gives him his drive and like his compass or she's like his support system. And the yo Adrian's like some iconic lines are not there if there's no Adrian as well. And I mean, one of those things, I mean, she starts out obviously the, her arc is kind of interesting in this, in this movie. Um, she's obviously really patient. She's really kind. Her arc is interesting. All of a sudden she turns back into the Godfather where you're like, Oh, there she is at the start. You know, when you saw it, you're like, is that her kind of thing? Um, she's great. She's important. Um, I, with Adrian, you just, I don't know. The, the, you don't have the fan's famous lines and you don't have a lot of the most scenes that we all know of this Rocky and Rockies in the future that are down the road without an Adrian and even later Adrian. So yeah. important. In, um, she, the whole thing with Polly is interesting. Oh, she puts up with a lot of, a lot of crap from Polly. Um, and her patience is needed and her intelligence is needed for Rocky. Those are the things I'm going to say to that web. Yeah, she's a she's an interesting character. I mean, you're right. She you need her for that uh, development of Rocky as a, as a person. But like, she goes through her own development, right? Like, yes. <laughs> I just found it like funny. She's a I, in my head. I keep thinking like she goes from that <laughs> the the nerdy to the hot librarian when she like takes her glasses off yeah, and lets yeah. her hair down. Like, I, I don't know. Like she just, uh, such a classic you, thing that they, well, you, you see her in the pet store. Right. And she's all like, like, don't talk to me. I'm like, I'm like socially awkward and the whole bit. And then like, all of a sudden, like Rocky basically forces himself on her and uh, she becomes a woman all of a sudden. <laughs> then she's like yeah. dressed in fancier and, bringing them dot, like her confidence level shoots through the roof. And I'm like, it, I don't know if that goes to show you just how, uh, physically intimidating and 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 berating Polly was as a brother and like just I think know, she whatever. has that moment. She has that moment where she snaps on on Polly and she says, "You made me feel like a loser all mm. these years." Yeah. And I think, and as creepy as that scene we just talked about with Rocky and the thing, like there's a moment in it where she's like she's super timid and then she says he calls her beautiful and she's like, "Don't tease me" because she doesn't have any confidence, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So maybe in some ways, you know, like she's empowered uh, in, in that moment to, you know, really be who she is and, and want what she wants and, and go after it. So I don't know. Yeah, she's an interesting character for sure. And yeah. again, this one was another one. I mean, the the main characters aside, it was hard. I mean, other than who, like maybe Spider Rico, it's hard not to see these characters as who they are in later what movies, right? Yeah. Yeah, we got to focus on the movie we're doing right now. Yeah, and so, like, I just, I when I was watching this, I was like, oh, my God, like, this is painful. Like, I know where she's going to go, and so it was a little it was a little hard to, like, yeah. get on board. But you're right. Like, she's necessary 
uh, and she she uh, she's another one that has a heart of gold and will do, will do anything for the people that she loves and cares about. Yeah. So and I, I love how it's just kind of like these two individuals that are just from basically from the depth of the toughest neighborhoods in Philly that have have to develop and then you know they they kind of achieve some greatness out as the series can, can continues you know there when you really watch this movie you see where they begin and you're like wow like this is so awkward and like hard to to you know these people are how are they ever going to make it out of this situation they're in but and it is yeah. hard to watch these knowing what you know yeah you know, yeah, the next forty-year progression, essentially. <laughs> so, right. No, yeah, and beyond, right? Because yeah, like we're yeah. When you start even thinking about like Creed franchise and all that, for, right? And like his role in that, like it, it's, it's challenging. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta also remember Talia Shire was Crew Jones's mom. <laughs> I, I was trying to hide that. I can't believe. For those of you keeping a track at home, that's like uh, episode number six that Jamer has dropped a Crew Jones reference. I gotta try to slip Cree Jones in anytime I can. I take would, a drink at take a drink at home, ladies and gentlemen. Cree Jones, <laughs> I can't believe I was gonna keep that quiet. I was like, I wonder if he's gonna say it. No, I'm saying it. Cree Jones, rad. You look. Rad you're looking face. at his notepad right now. He's got it underlined and highlighted <laughs> and extra bold. <laughs> Don't forget this reference. Let's, his little awesome poster is just to his right on the wall. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Polly Panino, uh, who, who is Adrian's brother, and he's played by uh, Burt Young. Well, is he maybe the original grumpy person? There's nobody who plays a grumpier person, and nobody says the word bum more than Polly. <laughs> this is, this is uh, Christian Webster's hero. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Webster's got the local Polly in there sometimes. <laughs> he's got a little Polly in him. Um, again, that disgruntled, grumpy, angry Philly thing. He's got the Philly thing down to a T, very young in this role, to his credit. Nice job. Um, and he did a great job in this with the angry Philly guy who's obviously got you know, probably a little bit of a boozing problem, lifestyle problem, angry a bit of a lifestyle. Job. And he's just fantastic. He's always like, hey, Rocky, get me in. It's that idea you talked about in the 70s. Everybody's always on the take for something and they always want some sort of social mobility, but nobody really wants to earn anything. You know, they don't really want to earn it. They just kind of want to get it. And he kind of falls into that. Um, if there's no Polly, there's no hitting the hitting the meat in the meat locker either, though. And that's another Rocky iconic thing that we all talk about, hitting the meat. So Bert Young, uh, he did a great job in this. Um, he's miserable. He's awful. He's wretched. Like, I, I, I how bad he was more. about the mirror. How pissed off he was about oh, the mirror. Like, the mirror. Oh, like, it looked like a half-chewed caramel. What are you worried about? The what are you worried about? What you look like? Like he's well, like, how, about, how about the move where Rocky slid a little bit of half his uh, glass of beer back into Polly's glass and yeah. looks like he kept going on? What a move! Yeah, that's yeah. a play right there, Rock. Um, anyway, Polly's obviously such an important character in a Rocky series as well, but he's just a wretched human being. I'm sorry, he's horrible. He's a narcissistic, mean prick, is what he is. Uh, like I, that whole again, the whole scene where he's kind of in one and he's yelling at his sister and like that, like, you know, grumpy web aside, I'm not, I'm not like that with siblings. I never would be like, it's just so, uh, we, we need Corey to weigh in on this. Oh my yeah. God. Like, <laughs> um, little web. No, yeah, maybe not. Uh, 
He's just such an asshole. Like he's Has Christian just... ever thrown a turkey out? <laughs> <laughs> you want the bed? Get the yeah. bed. <laughs> he's just like, I don't know. Like I found rewatching this. I'm like, I hate this guy. I just hate him. Like if I met him in a dark alley, I'd beat the snot out of him. I just hate him. Like, I just want to give him a stunner at every chance. Uh, he's just Paul's such an ass. PTSD. I think Paulie's got some PTSD from his Navy days. Yeah. Maybe. Again, though, it, he's another one because he, he looms so large in the later episodes or later movies, right? Like, you you forget. Although, I will say this with Paulie. He's pretty consistent with being a narcissistic mean prick in all the movies from what I can remember. That's his thing. That's his that's his, that's his shtick. And like the fact that Rocky puts and Adrian for that matter put up with it, like that says more about them than it does about him. It does. That you like you mentioned about both those characters. They have a heart of gold, right? They're going to they're going to take care of their people. All these their people. So it's like let's talk about uh, let's talk about my favorite guy. Mickey Goldmill, played by Burgess Meredith. <laughs> Some of the greatest quotes of all time. Oh. Um, he's a teacher. He does things in his own way. Uh, he's also kind of a dink in his own way, too. Um, I had one hot take on Mickey where I'm like, you like the front runners, Mick. That, I thought when he went into Rocky's thing to try to train him, it was a little bit pathetic. All of a sudden, he showed up and he's showing all the pictures. Look at me, look at me, look at me. And I mean, the Rocky Mickey thing is super important. I know that. And I, like, I thought though that that was perfect because in that business, that's such a tough business to be in. The training fighters, you're, yep. you're always going to try and get the guy that's the hottest, right? And yeah. you're going to try and put your time mm-hmm. into the guy that's the hottest. Mm-hmm. And like that was that was Rocky being able to turn the tables on him because earlier he was like, when Rocky lost his locker to. Um, I have it down somewhere too. I can't remember his name. Uh, Tippy. No, uh, no that's like that. Trainer. Dipper, Dipper, Dipper. Dipper, Dipper. Dipper. When he loses his locker to Dipper, and basically Paul or um, Mickey's like, Dipper's, Dipper's, a, he's on the, he's an up and comer, and you're, you're, you're done. You're a nobody. So basically, he's like, I'm going with the hot guy. Dipper gets your locker. Dipper's on the way up. You know that that's my job. So when Ro- and the tables turn and Rocky's getting a shot, he's like, uh, hot and hand in Rocky's place. Like, hey, you know, like you know, you need a manager and all that. That that's the business of it, and that I think that kind of sheds light on that in a little ways. That's a good point, Jim. You make a really good point about it. I mean, I love Mickey. Don't get me wrong; he's a great character. He's funny. Like his lot one liners. What are we waiting for? <laughs> You're a tomato. His Indian delivery and his facial expressions like Burgess Meredith and yeah. you, you'll know this from uh, Michael Rappaport's book he's a stick man he's, he's an ultimate stick, stick man. man he's a stick man of stick man yeah. he, uh, this, he's one of those characters in this one for me he's got the top quotes for me in this movie me too. Uh, but again like he's another one that his character evolves into the, he, he's the Mickey that we all you know, come to love in the next one. He's really kind of insignificant in this movie, to be quite honest with you. Like compared to the significance yeah. he demonstrates later on, like this one, he's he's a, a a minor secondary character at best, right? Like he's got a couple lines, but even like in the you know prototypical Rocky montage, he doesn't weigh that heavy of of the in the training montage. Like no. you know, he's got some great one liners, obviously, and he he's funny as hell. Um, but yeah, he's, he's not as significant as he obviously will become. 
later on. Polly was a little bit more of a prominent secondary character. Yeah. Yeah. I would say. Yeah, for sure. Mickey goes back into, he's part of the whole Rocky brand. Yes, of course. It's the brand of Rocky. It's Rocky Mickey. And that's another, Mickey's another one of those characters, guys, we all carry with us today. He's like, it's Mickey and Rocky. And then you're like, oh, yeah. And then we like, you'll hear them. We like, that's Mickey and Rocky. So that's the Mickey is Rocky. Or, or like, you know, you kind of know that. Nobody yeah, knows how to deliver crazy. a line like Burgess Meredith. Like, and I think some of my favorite lines other than like, he's got some beauties in the Rocky series, but the uh, um, grumpy old men series, uh, yeah. grumpy old men in one and two, uh, his lines in that, they're like, I know at the end of the movie, they have like the outtakes and it's him like just rattling off these like perverted, hilarious lines. And just, like, I love Burgess Meredith. He's, he was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I've laid more pipe in this town than Wabasha plumbing. <laughs> it's <just> unbelievable. <laughs> All right, let's jump into Apollo Creed, played by former Oakland Raider. Or were they the LA Raiders? I don't know. He played for Oakland, I believe. Oakland Raiders, Carl Weathers. And former BC Lions for all you CFL fans. That's right. He was in one of my old favorite shows, Jammer Tour and Duty. There oh, I love Tour. Carl Weathers is also on that show. Um, he, Carl Weathers and Apollo Creed actually make one of my more favorite characters in the Rocky series. Um, he, to me, kind of brings a lot of legitimacy to the like the heavyweight champion. He's fast. He's strong. He's big. He's cool. He's charismatic. He's great in front of the camera. He's great with awesome. media. Awesome business guy. Awesome business guy. We talk about modern day times so much about, I've said it already, the brand. He had a brand, or anyone else had a brand, essentially, in the fighter world. Um he, I thought he really did a good job in this movie of showing that he's the one and he's the heavyweight champion. And, you know, go give me more coffee. Go give me this. Hey, you know, Apollo, you might think you're going to Canada to get more revenue, like all that kind of stuff. And he was, he was just, his hamster was running the whole time about how to make money and how to build on what he has and his window of money making time. And I think that was pretty cool. And the ring yeah. enters the grand, like the whole grand thing. Uh, you know, walking into the spectrum in an iconic place as well. And on the 4th of July, all that, I think it was just a cool thing to see. And I love Carl Weathers as an actor. Pretty much everything he's in, I like. Just he's not really being a waiter, not just all around. He's an unreal actor to me. Web? How, what's the over under on number of bottles of baby oil they rubbed on him before <laughs> that final fight? He's he crazy. is. He is glistening. Oh, <laughs> he is glistening. <laughs> like you could slide that guy through freaking from Canada all the way down to the Mexico border with how much baby oil he's got on. <laughs> Greasy. Uh, hilarious. Like like all the things you said, Jr. He's got one of my favorite lines: "Be a thinker, not a stinker." Like just like Love it. Love it. he's he's great. He's got a great mouth. Again, uh, fantastic prototypical heavyweight champ. I know Jamer is going to comment on, you know, who he's inspired by and that later on, but you know, he, he's, uh, he's perfect for this role. Um, and you know, in later roles too, I mean, he, he's an awesome, awesome character. So, you know, I don't have a whole ton to add on Creed. I got nothing else to add on him either. Let's, uh, let's move into some other like characters. We want to talk about some other notable characters. Um, does anybody stand out for you other than the, obviously the key ones we mentioned? Um, I had obviously, uh, knowing a little more when I know, uh, Duke, I love the Duke, the trainer for Apollo. Yes. Yeah. I think he's fantastic. And he leads on, you know, we know later on, like Wood Harris fills in a role later on down the road, but 
I think he's just an awesome trainer. And I love how he was the one guy um, in Apollo's corner who said, hey, we're going to be in one here. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're fine. You know, you that kind of helped. They're overlooking it, yeah. You're yeah. overlooking it. He did a great job of that. He's watching it, and he's still so focused on boxing. Yes. That needed somebody, and he's the one who knew. He's like, we might be in, a, in one, in a tough one here. And you can kind of see, you needed somebody in his corner who wasn't a pure yes man. He because was the guy that, because so clearly good. Apollo Creed was like looking past this guy, and he's like, we we this guy's gonna help me get to the next fight. We need to we need to put on we make some money, put on a show, and he's talking in that scene about like you know the coffee and putting gift gift back baskets together or whatever it was. Like clearly nothing about the fight. And the trainer's like, like you said, we're in one here. This guy means business, and I think that was a really nice scene to show how somebody like Rocky could actually give Apollo Creed, a, you know, put him on his toes or put him on yeah, his heels. He, he doesn't know that it's an exhibition or doesn't care. Right. Yeah. Nor should he. Yeah. They had to set that up. They had to set it up some way because otherwise you're like, how is this even realistic remotely? Whereas, you know, I'll get into it later, but I'm in some of the realism review, but they had to set it up in that way. So okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this here just because it's been on the tip of my tongue and I've been holding it back and I can't remember, you know, whether or not I I just don't remember the the history of it. Had they written this movie knowing full well that there were sequels in the can? No. Okay, so like, you know, there are certain things like w- with respect to to that storyline, right? Just like the fight between it just it doesn't add up. It mean, I mean, it does now because they wrote the sequels to obviously make it happen and add up. But when you think if this was supposed to be just a standalone movie at the time, mm-hmm. um, that whole that whole notion of, of their kind of um, their sequencing, it, it doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. Yeah. And I, I think the, the, the one thing, too, is that Rocky or sorry, Sylvester Stallone wrote this movie and pitched it around Hollywood and. and you know, obviously, when a studio picks it up, there's a bunch of rewrites that often happen. Uh, there might have been a few rewrites. I know there were multiple rewrites that happened after Rock because Rocky butted yeah. heads with Alvinson a lot on this. Uh, they, I guess, they had some drag him out fights in the studio. But I wonder if they rewrote some of the pieces to knowing that hey, we're, we can we can franchise this. Like, maybe we can yeah. push this into a couple. Like, the end when they're, like, talking about no rematch and stuff, I don't want one. At that point, you're like, no, we want to see this rematch, you know, as a... As a, a fight a fan viewer. or a movie viewer, yeah. Right? Yeah, because there were things that you just, like, I don't know. Yeah, it just, it doesn't click and doesn't make sense. I mean, it ends up kind You want to see more of Rocky and Adrian. You want to yeah. see that. You want to see more of what's going to happen with this Apollo Creed. Like, they should fight again. I mean, it looked... From the fight scenes, it looked like Paulo beat him, but they they looked like they were. If that Rocky had another cool. round, he might have beat him. The amount of money on the buy-ins, the pay-per-views would be unbelievable. Yeah, the fight. Oh lord, for sure. I, one guy I wanted to mention was uh, Tony Gazzo. <laughs> he was just a classic character. You know, he's like, "Hey, you don't think I hear things?" <laughs> like that scene there. What about his? I was going to say, mine was his driver. Yeah. The driver was a, his, his driver doesn't his driver doesn't exist in 2021. Let's put it. That oh way. God, no. Well, he probably does. He's just not. 
Sorry, his his driver was storming the Capitol on. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say he was yeah. one of those guys. For yeah, sure. Um, yeah, those are my guys. Spider Rico. Spider Rico is just an ongoing name too. Spider Rico. Oh, Spider Rico was like you got lucky. Butt. Yeah. <laughs> They they um, should make a they should have a we should do a whole episode on uh, what would happen if Spider Rico beat Rocky in that first fight and he got the shot at the title. What about the headbutt Spider Rico threw? Yeah, that was a nasty headbutt. Before we move yeah. on, boys, I have to mention one thing. How funny was it when Rocky finished boxing and then he grabbed the dart? Yeah. Oh yeah, how the guy's hand? Here you have mine. <laughs> Amazing, pure Guy Lafleur move. Yeah, absolutely. Let's jump into uh, our favorite quotes. What are some quotes that stood up for you guys? I had. Uh, so, I, obviously, uh, I run a business, not a soup kitchen. We talked about that. Uh, the, word, the word a bum was used. How many times <laughs> if you go in a Rocky series movie, the word a bum? Mm. Everybody's a bum. No matter what you do, everyone's a bum. He's a bum. He's a bum. And then, uh, then I just said, got to smoke after a fight with Spider. Those were some of my favorite things. Uh Right away. I mean, I know there's lots that you guys want to hit on too. It's also a couple of mine that I just howled at when I heard them. Uh, I mentioned the one, the be a thinker, not a stinker. And I only mentioned that one because I heard it and I don't associate it with Carl Weathers. I actually associate it with a Will Ferrell sketch where he's posing in SNL yes. and he's the, the naked guy, the naked, the thinker the and the stinker. Like, so that, <laughs> That's when that he got the hepatitis test. Yeah. He got an A2 piece in a C. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, most of mine from this one are Mickey you're a tomato Uh, it's a waste of life Uh, women weaken legs and then uh, Rocky when he when he's talking about uh, when he's picking up the money he's crime don't pay you know that (laughs) yeah that was a good one Um, the one that I like too is um, uh, where'd you get the name the Italian stallion well, I made that up one night when I was eating dinner. <laughs> just <laughs> randomly. Um, cut me, Mick. That was always one that you heard. Uh, Polly saying, I want you here instamatically. I'm sick of seeing you hanging around like a freaking spider. Like, yeah. Polly just had some hilarious ones like, Rocky, I think I make a real sharp couple of coconuts. I'm dumb. You're shy. What do you think, huh? Like, I know he in. Uh, Oh, and Marie. Hey, Rocco, screw you, Creepo. That was yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. That was about it for me. But let's uh, let's jump into some little-known facts. So Rocky won an Academy Award for, uh, for Best Picture in 1976, as we mentioned. So this is the first actual sports film to win an Academy Award for Best Picture. So that's kind of cool. So Stallone actually shopped the script around, script around Hollywood uh, and had a lot of interest. At this time, he was, like, washing his clothes in the shower. He was living, working, like, menial jobs, getting a few bit parts. He, was, he couldn't get any acting roles, basically, and he was doing some odd jobs just to pay rent. Uh, so he shopped this around, and there actually were a lot, of, a lot of interest in the script. His stipulation, though, that was that he would give them the selling rights, but he had to be the star. So a lot, most of the studios were like, absolutely not. Um, Producers Erwin Winkler and Robert Chartoff agreed, as long as Stallone agreed to continue to write the film for free and take an actor's wages at scale. So they didn't want to pay him like anything good, basically. So after Winkler and Chartoff purchased the film, they took it to United Artists, who agreed 
to a $2 million budget. However, they wanted Burt Reynolds or James Caan to play Rocky. When Winkler and Chartoff explained the deal that they had with Stallone, uh, United Artists cut the budget to $1 million, which they actually ended up coming in under at 960000 So could you imagine this movie with like Burt Reynolds or James Caan? I, I just James Caan doing a little bit of it. But he's too big of a star at this point. He's he's too big. He he was coming off of uh, he was coming off of uh, uh, the Godfather, right? He's too handsome. He's too handsome to be. Yeah, Stallone looks like you know. Stallone looked like a box. Like Stallone actually played college football, and like he looked like he was big. He was an like he was muscular, but and he looks he looks like a bit of a meatball in the sense that yeah, 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 he looks kind of dumb, and he looks like he, he would be a little rough around the edges. Yeah, Jimmy Conn. I don't see Jimmy Conn doing this. And Burt Reynolds is, again, huge at this point and a little bit too. Uh, I don't think he could pull it off in terms of like just the, a different inner, story the inner city Philly piece, right? No. Like, mm-hmm. It'd be a different story with those guys. Like, you'd have yeah. to write their character differently. And they couldn't yeah. be like stumbling, bumbling, living in an apartment like that, you know? Like, yeah. It just, just wouldn't, wouldn't work. It wouldn't be believable. No. During his audition, Carl Weathers was sparring with Sylvester Stallone and accidentally punched him on the chin. Stallone told Weathers to calm down. It was only an audition, and Weathers said that if he was allowed to audition with a real actor and not a stand-in, he'd be able to do a lot better. Director John G. Albertson smiled and told Weathers that Stallone was the real actor, and he was also the writer of the film. Weathers looked at Stallone thoughtfully for a moment and said, well, maybe he'll get better. Stallone really <laughs> loved him, and, and uh, they hit it off real, really well. That's amazing. <laughs> so the famous scene where uh, Rocky's running through the streets of Philadelphia was actually uh, filmed because they didn't have much of a budget. They didn't get multiple takes on any of these things. So they actually filmed it guerrilla style out of the back of a van with no layout and no extras. So the people you see in the film... Those aren't extras. Those are real people. They basically strapped a camera to the back of the van and ran to, and had the van go down the streets and had Stallone running after it. And these people are just reacting to like, what the hell is going on? Why is there a van with a camera on it? Hell of a catch! Hell of a catch by Stallone on the orange there. Yeah. So oh, and yeah. That, was the, that was the funny thing. That scene where the fruit stand guy throws the orange to Stallone. That just happened. It didn't. <laughs> It wasn't part of a script or anything. Like literally, they were running down there, and the guy just saw him run by and threw the orange at him. Like it, that was completely unscripted. That's funny. That's amazing. Yeah. So originally, Stallone's script was uh, much darker, and it actually depicted uh, Mickey as a bitter old racist. And the film ended with Rocky throwing the fight after realizing he did not want to be part of the professional boxing world. <clears throat> so the script went through nine rewrites before it was sold to. Winkler and Chartoff. So, and I, I think originally it was like a rated R film, and there was a lot of like really dark stuff in it. So more than what we actually. That's a, that's a good lesson for young writers, though, right? The importance of revising and editing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. And that, that doesn't include the rewrites that would have gone through after they picked it up. Yeah. So yeah. that was pretty well done. Yeah. So, so Sylvester Stallone was inspired to write the screenplay after watching uh, Chuck Chuck Wepner. Muhammad Ali fight on uh, March 24th, 1975 at Richfield Coliseum in Richfield, Ohio. Forty years later, Chuck Wepner's story was adapted into a movie entitled Chuck, starring Lee Schreiber. So I did watch, uh, 
I can't remember if it was a 30 for 30. And it was about Chuck Wepner's story about how he was, I think it was called The Real Rocky. Um, but it's interesting because Stallone never really gives him credit or really gives any credit towards it. And Chuck Wepner didn't really care that much. Mm. You know, a lot of people, I, I feel like now people would be like suing. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. he took my story or whatever, right? Like Rocky acknowledges it in interviews. Like, yeah, I watched that fight and this was like an inspiration for me. And Chuck Wepner's like, oh, I was, I, you know, that's pretty cool. Like, it's not like, I feel like now people will be like, I need I need the money from that film. Yeah, give me the royalties. No, so, um, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Hmm. After the end of filming, Stallone uh, kept the two turtles, Cuff and Link, and as of June 2020, he still has them, and they're alive and well. Jesus. <laughs> hey, you take on a turtle or a parrot, get ready. You're in for the long haul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is he, getting, is he getting the tin with the good flies in it? Not the moss <laughs> that are choking them down? Yeah. Uh, Sylvester Stallone was so poor prior to selling the script for Rocky that he had to sell his dog for 50 bucks to pay bills. A week later, he sold the script and he ended up buying his dog back. The dog that he sold and bought back was actually Butkus, the dog that they had in the, in the movie. Nice. Butkus. That's, cool. That's, cool. That's great. That's a great story. That's got to be after Dick Butkus, right? Yeah. You would think so. Got it. So Burt Young, who plays Polly, was actually a former amateur boxer, a boxer, and used Stallone uh, was used by Stallone to help review fight choreography and help train him. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. In order to stand her budget, the producers asked the actors to bring their own clothes to round out the wardrobe. The stuff that you see the actors and actresses wearing is actually their own clothes. Stallone picked up the the jacket and the fedora at a thrift shop with his own money down the street prior to their first scene that they shot. That's awesome. Because that's like an iconic look for him. And he oh, actually yeah. brings it back, right, in all the other movies. So you imagine if he, like, put those on eBay, how much that stuff would go for? He probably got it for, like, a couple bucks at the thrift store, and now it would be yeah. worth millions. At least thrift store? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> didn't pay top dollar. Legendary fight trainer Jimmy Gambina was the technical consultant on the film. He also plays the role as the trainer from Mix, Mighty Mix Jim, boxing gym in the film. So he's the guy that, he actually has a lot of lines. He's the guy that, like, puts the uh, puts Rocky on skid row and talks to him. He's like the short trainer guy or whatever. So Apollo Creed is based on Muhammad Ali. So you, you kind of hinted at it earlier, Webb. There's a lot of similarities there. Uh, even his boxing style, I thought the boxing style with his hands held low, yeah. like moving his head back and forth, bouncing on his toes, his hands, he carries his hands really low. Yeah, I was going to say, and the footwork too, right? Like yeah. he's all about the footwork and moving. And I mean, we... Obviously, we learn about that in the next couple Rockies where he's training Rocky. So, I thought Curl Webb really, really looked like a boxer and moved like a boxer. He he was really like he's yeah. obviously a great athlete, but he did a really good job. He's a hell of an athlete in terms yeah. of like his physical conditioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He always looks good. Yeah, yeah. Even today, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's in the Mandalorian, and he just he still looks. He's probably like seventy, and he looks like he's forty. Yeah, he does a good job. Um, Rocky's explanation of the term Southpaw to Adrian is inaccurate but it includes an element of truth according to the New Dixon's uh, baseball dictionary the term was coined in the late 1800s to describe left handed pitchers who facing west in most ballparks had their left arms hanging on the south side of the ballpark that's how they got the term uh, Southpaw and boxing adopted it from baseball mm -hmm. 
So Susan Sarandon auditioned for the role of Adrian, but was rejected for being too attractive. That's a good call. Adrian, uh, yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Susan Dude. Sarandon's still a smoke show. She wouldn't have been able to handle that. No, wouldn't have worked. She's not frumpy enough. He's not believable as Polly's sister either. No. Yeah, you got to look at the family lineage kind of thing too. And Shire just kind of played. She fit the. She fit it very like well. Polly looks like if you took a piece of gum and threw it on the floor, floor at a barber shop. You know. <laughs> looks like a piece of purple bubblelicious. <laughs> we'll add. Hey, we'll add him to the uh, the list of last week with. Uh, with Keith Richards and uh, whoever the other guy I said there with the ba- beat up face like a baseball mitt. <laughs> oh, so originally real life boxer Kenny Norton was considered for the role of Apollo Creed, but because he was 230 pounds, they felt that he would dwarf Stallone and just look too, too, too big for the. Ken Norton Sr. was a legit heavyweight guy. So yeah. Big yeah. time. No way. No way. Yeah, like, Stallone, Stallone looks big in this movie, but he's not that tall, right? No, it's like five ten or something. Yeah, like he's like aver- he's like my height. Like he's average at best. Ken Norton yeah. Senior fought in like the heyday of heavyweight boxing. Yeah, yeah, he fought them all. So Talia Shire's maiden name is actually Talia Rose Coppola, as in the Coppola family. Uh, she's Francis Ford Coppola's sister, Nicholas and Nicholas Cage and Sophia Coppola's aunt. She's also Jason Schwartzman's mom. I didn't realize that. You know Jason Schwartzman, the actor? Mm-hmm. You'd know him if you saw him. He was in he's in uh, the Grand the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, he's in a lot of those Wes Anderson movies. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, what's movie. the one the big one there where he plays like the uh, the radical student union guy? Um oh Jesus. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know um, what I'm talking about? Rushmore? Yes, Rushmore. That's yeah. it. That's a good movie. Yeah. yeah. Let's jump into our realism review. What do you guys boy, boys got for realistic? Oh, well, I'll go. Um, on this <laughs> one, I think I'm going to come at the realism from like just from like the fight standpoint. Obviously, there's tons of stuff we know, but from the realism standpoint, um, I'm going to look at it, come at the realism thing of I'm going to look at like the tough upbringing, the crappy 1970s Philly. I think that's all pretty real stuff. The row housing, the grittiness uh, of it all, the, grittiness, the struggle. I think they did a good good job in that kind of idea. But yeah, like we talked about, you're struggling to get by. You're doing what you have to do. Everybody's on the take. We talked about the East Coast, um, what's going in, what's going out. No one really knows. The proximity of Philly, too, where to all the big other centers. I think that comes into the real thing. Um, working for somebody to break the thumbs, that's very real. Um, crappy gyms, um, backstabbing, doing what you got to do. I think that's pretty real. The, there's all that. I, I like that aspect of the realism of the struggle um, of a guy who's basically in and around 30 and in our world, not in the, in the, in our world is past his prime. And we know that you're not going to hit your prime at 31. We know that's fake. We know you're not going to stand in there and take blow for blow for blow for blow. Um, if you break your ribs, Apollo, they're probably going to shut this down. Like the way they're standing at the end. We know the Rocky fights are fake. I think everybody knows that. But we kind of look past that too, don't we? Like when you think of We know the fights are fake. Yeah. Like, I mean, You know what I will give this fight um, a leg up on as the uh, as opposed to the other movies? You know what I liked about this one? They didn't, they didn't do the over-the-top sound effects with the punches. 
Yes, I agree. It actually sounded like a real fight. Yeah, you hear the snap, snap, snap. The snap, snap. Like when we yeah. watched Mason fight live against our... Um, you don't hear... Psh, 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 you know what I mean? Like, it's like... Thought, the punches uh, don't sound no it's not overdubbed but the yes. thing that to that point too i found the audio really hard i i struggled to get through like i had the volume cranked uh just to to hear things and i actually i i was texting with you guys like i had the closed captions on at one point because i couldn't oh, yeah. understand not I, only was not only was this like, got an oscar for sound editing too oh my god it was awful <laughs> <laughs> like, and I don't know if that was just because it's like through Netflix now or whatever, but like, I think it's it was, probably the 80s or the 70s, right? Like, yeah, you know, like, and yeah. what we're used to or accustomed to now, but yes. like, it was bad. Sorry, Jay, I totally cut you off there. No problem. Yeah, I, I started, I cut you off. Um, the sound, well, you talked about the fighting sound. I was going to say the Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. To me, that was the most purest boxing fight sound I've ever heard with nobody in there. You could hear the snap, 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 snap. And I thought it was okay from that. I, a lot of things I know. A lot of things I know are fake. I don't know if we really need to talk a ton about the fake because we know tons of it is fake. Okay, but anyway, that's what makes Rocky to us Rocky. Yeah, we know it's fake, but we also know there's some real aspects to that that give us self motivation because Rocky, deep down, for a lot of us, is our person that we talk about getting the you know, getting the eye of the tiger back, so to speak. Anyway, Webb, that's I'm gonna stop talking. Yeah, the the I mean. The, the realism piece that everybody, it's that determination, perseverance factor, right? Like, that's the realism piece in terms of, like, a, a heavyweight champion just going to, like, randomly fight somebody that you, I don't can you even consider him an amateur? Like, Christ, he's fighting in a church, like, literally, yeah. pun intended. I think like, back he, then that was amateur fighting because they said in his thing he, he had a record of, like, 43 and 20. So he's had some bouts. He's definitely been like, around I, I, I don't know it just seems so I, it, I, it's just so over the top right and or like is he that i mean i guess any you'll do anything for money but i don't know how much money we never actually kind of really find that out in this unless i'm forgetting it but well his only shower was seven bucks oh wait what is it's, how much does rocky make for this 150 150,000 yeah. right. 150,000 in his early fights like when he was fighting his uh club fights or whatever yeah he, he was made like 60, 60 bucks five minus whatever and it was down to 45 bucks or oh well, significantly well, much more yeah okay that's not like about i guess no he's an amateur and he's fighting the heavyweight champion of the world who is just a dominating force like mm. i mean we talked about it's just that it it is what it is we know what it is it's hollywood it's cinema but at the same time you're like you can't kind of glaze over it when we're talking about the realism aspect it's not going to happen he's not going to have a chance in hell uh i'm sorry he can hit all the beef he wants he's not going to be able to catch uh catch uh creed let alone like hurt him really really bad because creed's going to just move his feet way better and be way more balanced uh and just like jab him to death he'll he'll pull like it's like mayweather fighting conor mcgregor right like he's just going to jab him and jab him and it'll make it look more close than it actually is because it's entertainment value and it's boxing and it's all crooked assholes anyways who are just trying to take your money. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. But I will say this, though. If you're going to do any story about that where it's like an underdog can maybe be, you know, reach it, boxing's the way to do it because as they say in boxing, right, everybody's got a puncher's chance. Yep. And you see it right in the beginning when – um, Apollo Creed comes in kind of like nonchalant and Rocky catches him, right? Like he catches him without 
uppercut. You're like, whoa. Because we, we've seen it, right? Like, we saw Haseem Rockman. We saw Buster Douglas. Like, there's been some guys where you're like, this guy doesn't have any business being in the ring with this guy. And he caught him, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, but those guys are still all pros. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, my thing is, like, this is an amateur guy that's fighting in a church the week before. He's I know, been but kicked out of his crappy still, gym. He's still he's still making money fighting. Like, he's I still guess. a pro. I guess. He's just, he's just not... You know, and and one thing Mickey does say, and I think they set it up, is that you had all the talent. Yeah, right? that's you true. Wasted your life, so he's clearly got some talent, but or raw, maybe raw power or raw whatever, right? Um, but he's, he's never really he's toughened up from hitting all the beef, and yeah. nobody works the body like Rocky. That's and right. So, Rocky, the, Rocky works the body, and that was the most unrealistic thing for me in this whole thing was the beef. There's no way. The Shamrock Meatpacking Company is letting this dirty, sweat guy in to punch the meat. They would have, like, especially with a film crew in there, they would have the health inspector in there, like, too sweet. There's no way. There's no way that would, to me, that's the most unrealist thing about the whole movie is there's no way they're going to let this guy in there punching all the meat, contaminating it. What are you talking about? Adrian's cooking it up, remember? <laughs> yeah. Then Paul's gonna chuck it in the alley anyway. So yeah. Oh, yeah. all right, let's uh let's talk about the soundtrack. So music by composer Bill Conti. Conti has been nominated for three Academy Awards, including Gonna Fly Now for Rocky. Uh but he won one Academy Award, which was the best original score for the right stuff. Uh, he's had a long, successful film career, including credits on the, all the Rocky movies, uh, the Karate Kid movies, Necessary Roughness, and Rookie of the Year. So what do you think about the soundtrack? I mean, there's not a ton of it. We have the iconic song that Bill Conti has, uh, Gonna Fly Now, where he's the training montage. Um, and then there's a lot of, like, or- orchestra, uh, orchestra music through the, you know, the, the scenes, the love scenes, the scenes where Rocky's kind of down in the dumps walking through the alleys and stuff like that but as I said there's not a whole lot to comment on here I'm just looking at it right now and uh, Cool and the Gang is listed on it uh, for Summer Madness but it's uncredited and everything else like Jingle Bells like there's not a Silent Night is one of the songs credited on here like there's not a a US Marine Corps hymn like there's not a whole lot for us to really dive. The only the only one I'll here. give a shout out to is the guys in the alley, uh, the burn barrel. Yeah, I was gonna say the barbershop <laughs> quartet on the corner there. <laughs> Take me back. Um, but however, out of this, we get again one of the most iconic tunes. Yeah. If you tell your Google Alexa to play something right now, and you say "Play Rocky," that's coming on. That, that's coming on. That's like this comes. You think this comes on over Eye of the Tiger? I don't think it does. I think Eye of the Tiger comes on over this. No, it's too late. That's right. Oh, I think this one's on. this I'll one's the one. I have the tiger. When you think Ro- when I think Rocky, I think I have the tiger. See, I have I the tiger at two. I have training montage at one. I have I the tiger at two. I have no easy way out at three. I was gonna say oh. no easy way outs up there with me. It might even be two. Uh, I, go, I think I have the tiger is the most iconic. I I the tiger is probably two for me. There, Jamer, put that one on the next poll. What's the most iconic Rocky song? Okay. Okay, that's a good one to do. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, no, I have training. And uh, in the burning heart, the burning oh, heart. Oh, that's what a song! 
Uh, let's do our uh, movie wrap up. Where does this rank among all time boxing movies, and where do you have it in all time sports? Uh, well, boxing movies, I have. I'm putting it at one, boys. Because it sets the pace for all other boxing movies in my time. I know I may like other Rockies more, but they don't exist without this Rocky. So to me, this is the OG of the boxing movie. To me, I love lots of boxing movies. You don't. You don't. This one laid the groundwork for the entire. Series. This is a foundation, and all other bo- a lot of boxing movies that I like. Yeah. Okay, so but it I laid the foundation to- like the foundation is laid for the Leaning Tower of Pisa. <laughs> the building is going to be on its ass pretty soon because the foundation was terrible. Still standing, Web? Is that thing still up there? Oh, it's all there. I don't. don't right know. Standing, baby. Still want to get your picture there, Web? That's right. We all know how. How are you going to put this at number one when we all know that Rocky Four is the best out of all the Rockies? Because it doesn't exist without this Rocky. It goes Rocky. Like we will do this. I know when we have our uh, all the other like Rocky Two. Um, better I than like, okay. So I know you love Dr- Drago is the best villain. It goes Drago, Clubber Lang. I'd even put Tommy. I'd put no. Tommy. At- Rocky Five doesn't go above this movie. Oh. No, you have to put this movie at one. I've got it at one. You got to put it one because it's the OG. Like you mentioned. I guess. I guess. I don't know. I can't put it ahead of Rocky. I don't know. I can't put it at Jr. You did a whole thing today on the Cold War. How are you going to put this ahead? Uh, do you know why I do though? This this movie has of all the Rocky movies has the best acting for me. It has the best acting. There's actually a story. There's acting. The other ones are more. They get you some cheap thrills with like some like a little a little bit better um, soundtrack. They've got better effects. There's more action. But to me, this one like the fight. The actual fight was like twelve minutes of the movie. It wasn't much. Mm-hmm. There wasn't like most no, of the. Yeah, I think story. I think the plots. I think the plots and everything else make way more sense than every single other one. I feel like this one left way too much for me. But they don't exist without this movie. Yeah, but I, I, I and I understand that. But my thing is how they ever like. At least I will say this: this is another one of those. It's like Major League. The sequels are significantly better than the original. The sequels are good. I don't disagree. I got to give the. I got to give Rocky one. The, the nod. I gotta go with this one too. I have to say this is number one because this it's is number one. everything. I don't disagree I that you need I, you need this one to exist for the other ones to happen, but I can't I can't put it higher. I can't I I just can't. I, have to. I, have I actually to. have this as my number two all time sports movie too. All time? Yeah. This one too. Ooh, I have it all. I, time. Have it yeah. I have it in the top like. 50. I really like the acting in this. I just, I just think, I'm as far as sports it. movies go, it brought a lot to the table. Fair. It's nothing wrong with that. I get it. I get like, it. We've got some iconic actors and actresses and roles in this movie. I just think they just did them really well. Mm-hmm. They, I just think they captured whatever '70s boxing would be in Philadelphia. Yeah, I think I think one of the stars of Rocky that we forgot to say is Philadelphia. Yes. The spectrum, the whole thing. Absolutely. The spectrum. Like, that Absolutely. is a proper old school stadium. And I think we forget to talk about, like, just Philly. If you put this movie in, like, Cleveland, it doesn't fit. If you put it in Chicago, it doesn't fit. It has to be in dirty Philly. Oh, I forgot okay. to mention this and unrealistic. So, you remember how they couldn't find a fighter for Creed to fight? Sorry, I'm late on this one, but why the hell would you bring Joe Frazier in? Why didn't he fight Joe Frazier? 
He's in Philadelphia. Frazier's from Philadelphia. And he says to him, he says to him, you've been ducking me. And he goes, you're next. Why wasn't he this time? Or how about this? Rocky's the man of Philly or the he represents the people of Philly. They don't know who he is. No one cares about him. He's non-existent. Like that's the, when he's coming in, he's like the pride of Philadelphia. I'm like, no one knows who you are. You're well, not the pride of anything. Phil, You're they, not even pride they, of the pet store for crying out loud. The <laughs> owner wants you out of there. Beat it. You lost your locker. That's yes. <laughs> Beat it. You're on Kid Row, you bum. Fought Dipper. <laughs> Dipper's in the way. Dipper's digging his locker. <laughs> and then <laughs> Mickey goes, he digs your locker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um. So all right, so I'm gonna go all time all time boxing movies. I don't enjoy, I I know you need it, so I guess I'll I'll have to put it at one just because to the point you made, Jr. Be honest, I'm doing it begrudgingly because I don't nope. I I think there are better boxing movies than this one. Um, but I but to your point, you're right. Like it, the other Rockies don't exist without this one. So, I mean, I guess I have to put it at one. Although I think Ali is a significantly better movie. Although that's a biopic. So I don't know if we can consider it in the same. No, you can. You could totally. Okay, well then, I think that's a better box. I think, uh, what is it, Digstown? Digstown? That's the other boxing movie, I think. I really like that movie. Like, there's a couple of boxing. Cinderella Man's another great boxing movie. Like, there's there's some good boxing movies out there. Yep. But... Lead to your to your point, like the other Rockies don't exist without this one. This is the original boxing movie. This is the one that, if you say boxing movie, everybody thinks of. So I think you have to probably put it there. In terms of all time sports movies, I would say it's probably in my top top fifteen again, only because it makes the it creates the other ones. Yeah. I can't. I won't put it higher than the other Rockies because I think they're better. Uh, in all aspects, but that's fair. That's fair. Hey, I mean, it's a, it's, it's iconic because it great. It gives us the, the birth of all those characters, right? So absolutely, yeah. Uh, so as we do it, we've been doing it at the end of every uh, one of our episodes. We're gonna have a draft, and we like to link it into the movies that we do. Uh, so this week, um, and always, I always want to give a shout out to JJ Reddick, the old man in three, because that's where we got the idea for the draft. So this week's draft is going to be top all-time athletes who don't look like athletes. So Rocky didn't uh, – I, I think he looks like enough like an athlete, but he's he doesn't look like a world-class athlete. So we're going to say top all-time athletes who don't look like athletes. That's our draft topic this he's week. He's probably in better shape than some of the guys we're going to put on this list. Let's put it that way. He will be, absolutely, yeah. 100%. Yeah. So we, you went first last week, Webb. Let's go UJR this week. Perspective, eh? All right, I can very easy first pick. I'm going to go with a gentleman who loved hot dogs, cigars, <laughs> trains, went through roommates on a turnstile. Throws sweet, sweet shakers with Bozy? What a pitcher. Left, no, left-handed oh. pitcher. What a power hitter left-handed. I'm going to go with the salt and the swat, the Bambino, uh, a Bay Ruth, folks. Wow, that's a big pick. Oh. Nobody, nobody looked like less of an athlete. He even had a quote that says, athlete, I'm a baseball player. That is the ultimate quote of Babe Ruth right there. Nicely done. Wow, you're going back. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that guy. Jamie, you got, you got, you got next. I got, I got I'll, bring next. Up, okay. I'll bring up the rear this week. 
Okay, that makes sense. Um, I'm going to go with a kind of a newer guy. He's, he's pretty relevant nowadays. Uh, this former first-team All-SEC kicker just completed his rookie season with the Indianapolis Colts. Known for his thick glasses, this avid amateur rapper is nicknamed Rex Speck by his teammates. Rex Specs. When, uh, when asked if uh, what he was doing the night before he got the call that he had actually made the team, made the 53-man roster, he responded, I built two Lego sets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about Rodrigo Blankenship, kicker for the Indianapolis Colts. What a beauty this wow. guy. A great pick. Uh, I'm going with, uh, I'm going to go with the hard court. Uh, and the era he played in, it makes sense that you would, I, I was torn between two of them, but I'm going to go with the white guy. Uh, <laughs> at seven foot six, uh, uh, a star of Space Jam looks like a coat hanger in an NBA jersey. <laughs> I'm going with Sean Bradley, yes. former center for the Dallas Mavericks, as my freak first pick. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, that's, with, that's pretty with, good. With my second pick, I'm going to go with one of my all-time favorite athletes who looks like he uh, probably eats more hot dogs in between innings than any other person. I've used him in multiple drafts before, so I'm going. I got to stick, stay true to who I'm going. I'm going with the legend Bartolo Colon on the mound. Yes. Big sexy. Big sexy. It's a good pick. So I'm up again. This is a tough one. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pay some mama, uh, some homage to, um, you know, the 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 sport that we honored tonight with our movie. And I'm gonna pick this former unified heavyweight champion of the world who shocked the boxing world when he was de- when he defeated Anthony Joshua to win the WBA, IBF, WBO, IBO. They have way too many titles. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, back in 2019, his nickname is The Destroyer, but that's mainly because of uh, what he's known to do to toilets. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing tougher than this guy is his arteries. I'm talking about Andy Ruiz Jr. <laughs> that's great. That's amazing. This guy's got a hell of a, hell of a muffin top. <laughs> All right. Uh, my next pick, I'm going to go to the Lynx. And uh, <laughs> I've got to pick a guy nicknamed the Walrus. <laughs> yes, yes. Your nickname is the Walrus. Uh, I don't think there's much else to say. If you don't know what a Walrus is, Google one. Uh, <laughs> if you're nicknamed the Walrus, I have a feeling that like bright. How sick uh, is his duster, though? His duster's so amazing. Amazing. He golfs with Gretzky. He's tight with Gretzky. They yeah. golf. I think he's the best guy ever, but those those like bright golf shirts that are like wicking don't f- f- fall well off your body. That's just that's that way you're nicknamed the walrus. None other than Craig Stadlater. He's just wearing a garbage yes. bag. Good pick, JR. Good pick. It doesn't go well. And then my last pick, just because I'm going to keep it honest, I'm going to go with a female on this one, folks. And I'm going to go with a former Team Canada women's hockey player, Hands of Magic. She could run a power play like no other. None other than Vicky Sunahara of Team Canada Women's Hockey. That lady did not look like but she had great hands. I'm going Vicky Sunahara. Very cool. She's uh she's a coach at U of T. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't know Damon if you knew she was or not, but 
Really, really awesome person. Really yeah, cool person. person. Good hands. Good hockey player. Yeah. But nope. <laughs> so is that my turn? Yep. This is tough. This is tough for the last pick. I got some. Uh, I got some beauties on here. So I'm going to pick a guy. Um, this former 22nd overall pick in the 1992 NBA draft went on to play seven seasons in the NBA including two with our beloved Toronto Raptors, nicknamed the Big O. This man who was known for his soft hands and passing ability went from 270 pounds as a rookie to 380 in his last season in the NBA. In uh, April 2011, he was accused of pistol whipping a man during an altercation at a barbecue cookout in Arnold, Maryland. Don't ever take barbecue chicken away from a 380-pound man. I'm talking about Oliver Miller. The big old. Well done. Former Raptor. Yes. All right, boys. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, end us off with uh, the sport that we started this whole episode with. So I'm gonna go uh, with uh, my boy who has a professional record in uh, not only boxing but kickboxing, mixed martial arts. Uh, fought in K1 and the Pride Fighting Championships and has a combined fight record of 97, 24, and 5 with wow. 65 knockouts and 9 submissions. I'm going with my boy, Eric Esch, better known as Butterbean. Yes! Nice. A.K.A. the Big Turkey. Butterbean, what a beauty. Got to give some honorable mentions. I had uh, Marcel Dion. Oh, God. <laughs> It oh, must yes. have five foot eight, one hundred ninety pounds. Bullshit. Um, I had David Wells. Yeah. Oh yeah. David Wells is always an easy one. Phil Castle. Phil Castle. Yeah. Yeah. We don't thrill. I thought that's who Jr. was taking with his first overall pick. Oh, I we mentioned Him and Bozies were uh, throwing some sweet ping pong uh, matches oh, up there. Not, uh, I got James Harden. He's nicknamed the Beard, but it should be the Barrel. Yeah, we're stick- we're sticking the hardcore. How do you not put Zach Randolph on that list? Zebo, yeah, uh, Jerome Bettis. Oh yeah, the oh. bus. The bus. Was know, the, bus the bus was a wasn't the bus a. Uh, I'm just gonna put this out there, but wasn't the bus a uh, Heisman winner as well? He what? I'm pretty was sure he? he did. Name. I don't know if he did it. Yeah, I'm not I sure. Thought he did. No, he actually, I don't think he did. Oh, I'll have to look that up. What about um, at the end of his career? Also had, uh, Tony Glenn got I, a little at the end of his career. Also had the goose, Tony Saragusa. His, oh. uh, his 563 tackles uh, are the most ever by a guy who looked like he should be whacking informants for Tony Soprano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, him and Bobby. Him and Bobby look like they'd be in the uh, one hell of a tight sardine can there. I had a, I had a, I had a dark horse on here, too. I had uh, Joe Ingles. Uh you know, this guy looks like he should be changing the inkjet cartridges on your Xerox machine. Meanwhile, he's shooting 40% from three in the Mormon state. So, <laughs> See, you know who I had on that same vein? Mark Recchi. Yeah. Mark Recchi, towards yeah. the tail end of his career, was a fat son of a bitch and losing his hair. He looked like he ball. should be working at Staples. He's the, the wrecking ball. ball. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's funny. John <laughs> Daly. We, we got to talk about John Daly for yeah, a minute. John Daly's in a class all of his own. Yeah. Oh, yeah. John Daly. Here's a uh, Ronaldo, the Brazilian soccer player. Oh, <laughs> yeah. heavy. Yeah, he was so good early, though. Oh my! All those soccer guys get fat though as they get older. Maradona. Yeah, Maradona. Yeah. Maradona huge. <laughs> yeah. The first, All right, Web, tell them where to hit us up. 
All right. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to hit us up uh, and keep engaging with us on social. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe and leave us a review. And uh, don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at Big League Flicks, on Instagram at Big League Flicks Pod. You can check us out on YouTube as well and on TikTok where you can see good old Brucey bringing the heat. Yes, okay. Bruce. Take Bruce. care, everybody. Take care, Have a great everybody. weekend, everybody. Yeah, take care. Sports and the good sand, the glamour. Got a cold beer pairing for the leading lady staring. Fun facts and trivia, man, rocket comparing. Soundtracks and music, they'll rate all these things. Was it real or did they lose us as the fat lady sings? Talking junk, have a giggle. Comedy, drama, romance. Did the film deliver six to noon in my pants? With their big bag of tricks, these podcast critics. Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jammer!